Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Hey, uh, good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Adam Russell and I'm the pastor here. We are so happy that you're here with us this morning. Let's find our spot. Let's find our spot. Got some really good news for you this morning. I am not preaching. Man, a shout went up. I'm not preaching this morning. Uh, But the reason it's good news is because Lori Rogers is preaching. So Lori, why don't you come on up here? Uh, Lori and Matt have been with us for like more than a decade. They are vineyard veterans in every single way. And uh, we are in our First John series, and when I was beginning to plot this thing out, I knew that I didn't want to preach the whole thing, and that I wanted to share this. And Heather and I were chatting about who should who should help me preach this. And one of the things that we kept coming back to is who's been doing the work of ministry without even being asked. This is really important. Uh, who's been doing the stuff without even being asked to do it, with no promise of position or or platform? And the first person I thought of was Lori. Uh, and many of you, if you've been here for any time at all, you've probably been, you've probably been pastored by Lori. I, I think Lori's one of the main pastors here at the Vineyard. Uh, she's not on staff, but she's one of the oh, main I'm pastors. And, um, and, and that's just something I'm always looking for. Uh, one of the things I'm looking for in Disciples of Jesus is I'm, I'm looking for people who have the reflexes of Jesus' heart without being asked. Real musicians, real musicians never have to be asked to play music. music. Real musicians don't play with the promise of being on a CD. Real musicians just play, like for the pleasure of playing. And Lori and Matt, they're people who have followed Jesus, uh, not because they were asked, but because it's in their heart. And that's why you're here. And I know that you have something to share, and we're excited to hear it. So why don't you all give Lori a big round of applause. Am I on? I'm on. Okay. It's really super bright up here. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm like, can I get further away from the lights? Okay, well, um, if some of you don't know me, I am Lori Rogers, and I have been here actually 14 years. I did some math. That's a long time. (laughs) Um, But saying that, I came, I'm actually originally from Ohio. Uh, Where was my clapping and shouting? (laughs) I thought that meant something. Oh, sorry. All right. Well, uh, so I have... Um, four amazing children, and there they are. I have Noah, he's 12, Isaac is 11, Elijah is 8, and Timothy is 6. And right now, we are growing into those stages of being that sports parents. Um, When they were all little, and I had these four boys running around, these wiser women would come up and say, just wait, just wait, sports time is coming. Just wait. And I kind of was like, yay, sports time's coming. I can't wait. I can't wait to get them all in sports. And so now as I'm driving all around Campbellsville, taking all four of my children to sports, I constantly go, I was looking forward to this. I was looking forward to this. And, but I really am that person that loves competition. I love being a cheerleader for my kids. And we have two in soccer and two in football. So we don't stop this fall. We're not stopping. So uh, today, I get to continue the series on First John. I get to do chapter 3, and I feel like that's a really good chapter for me to talk about. It's mainly about love. It's long, 
So instead of going through it deeply, we're just kind of going to skip a rock across it, okay? We're going to highlight some of the really um, things, that, really the things the Lord's pointed out to me. Um, I want to pray real quick, because I really feel like the Lord has um, some things he wants to lift off, even when we get started. So, Father God, thank you so much for everyone here. I pray that the morning haze that kind of just still settles on in the morning, I say you lift that. I pray that right now that people's minds are clear. We just pray against distractions. I pray that you just come, your full glory come down. And we just bless this time and just come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we are right in the middle of 1 John 3, is right in the middle of the, of the book. And uh, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God and that's what we are. Now, John is known for getting excited in his life. And if you look, he'll have exclamation points at the end of that. So I feel like if John was tweeting, it might look something more like this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. I think, we're like, why is he shouting? <laughs> it's because he's excited. <laughs> John gets excited. Um, I love the word lavished here. Um, for me, lavished means over the top. It's royalty feeling. It's bigger than just normal love. It's the love that's lavished. So we're going to use lavished a lot. First, we're going to talk about what lavish love does. First, lavish love sets our identity. It says that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. I don't know how many cousins you have, but I have ten first cousins. And when you grow up with cousins, they're really your built-in best friends. You do everything with them. You ride bikes. You climb trees. My first cousins and I like to make home videos. (laughs) So one of my uncles would get out a camcorder. Now, for the the young people that don't know what a camcorder is, ask your mom what a camcorder is. (laughs) Um, They get a camcorder out, and they would videotape us, and we made commercials. Now, I don't know if you guys make commercials, but one of our commercials was about Pepsi and Sprite. And so (laughs) we had a two-liter of Pepsi and a two-liter of Sprite. And um, one of my cousins was starting to pour the Pepsi, and the other cousin was pouring the Sprite. And I was one of the little cousins, and we bumped into them, and they spilled it everywhere. I said, you got Pepsi in my Sprite, and you got Sprite in my Pepsi. And then they take a drink. <gasps> it's a new drink. It's Slepsy. <laughs> Not sure why that didn't go viral. It's before YouTube. But it was a good one. <laughs> and... Uh, and, but as, the kid, as you get older with your first cousins, you don't seem to see them as much. You get involved in sports. You get involved in the day-to-day life, learning to drive, just the mobility of that. And so you only start seeing them instead of every day or every week. You see them on the major holidays. You see them on grandma and grandpa's birthday, of course. And so there's still that relationship and still that fun, but it gets a little, a little less distance. And then you go off to college, and you get married, and you find your family, and you set roots somewhere. And sometimes it's not where everyone is. Right now, those cousins in the video, one's in California, one's in Florida. My sister's in Ohio, and I'm in Kentucky. And so that video would take a lot of getting together for that to happen again. 
because there's just separation. And I've, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because I feel like with the Lord, sometimes we are start getting settled into that idea that we're family, but we're maybe we're just first cousins. We're okay with that idea of distancing ourselves. Yeah, we're, we, we're secure. We know that the blood of Jesus has washed away our sins. We're good. We're family. We're going to heaven. But God's saying us, no, I'm not okay with just first family, first cousins. I'm calling you my son, my daughter. And so first thing that love will do is set you, set up your identity. The next thing that love does is it causes us to be pure. Anytime you encounter God's love, it causes movement. And the first thing it does is it causes you to be pure. The next verse is verse 3. And it says, all who have this hope in him purifies themselves just as he is pure. When you're pregnant and you find out you're going to be a new mom, the first thing you do is you cut out all the bad things. So for me, that was caffeine. And I was like, okay, well, no more caffeine. Cut it in cold turkey. No more caffeine. And my husband was being really supportive and loving as our first son. And he's like, I'm going to do it too. Except for I was maybe drinking one Coke a day anyways. And he was drinking four Mountain Dews a day. It was a different kind of beast for him. Um, But he loved us and he did really good for a while. Uh, what happened in that little nine months of the baby growing is he got a night job. And so not having any caffeine at a night job, it's a struggle. And so I feel like this is falling. Sorry. So he, um, he made it, I think we're going to say five months of no caffeine. And then he's like, I'm sorry, babe, I can't do it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which is really fine. But it was easier for me, and I'd like to say, suggest that it was easier for me it's because inside of me was lavish love growing. It was pure, and I wanted to be pure for it. It's easier when it's inside of you. When we encounter lavish love, it's our natural reaction. You need to purify yourself. Okay, next. Lavish love is... <gasps> Not boring. (laughs) In verse 7, John puts this in the middle and he says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Now that can mean a lot of things. But today we're going to talk and suggest that maybe what leads us astray is the idea that love is boring. Um, In women's group this fall, I'm teaching on falling in love. And on the first like meeting on Monday, we met together and we were talking about that falling in love is. And so uh, one of the girls got on the floor with this big poster and we just started brainstorming all of these ideas. Some of the ideas was that it was extravagant. It was vulnerable. Someone said it was risky. Someone said it was scary. Someone said that it was a journey. After we had brainstormed about 30 ideas, not one person said, falling in love is boring. <laughs> it's funny how that is. Um, we, uh, <clears throat> the reason why is because I feel like when 
the reason we start to get bored or that idea that falling, like the love relationship, that love story with God is boring is because we've disconnected the fact that it's a love story. It's a constant journey. Um, when we think about our father and that we're his kid, we have to think of it as a story that's full of love, a love story that's exhilarating, that's romantic, that's captivating, that is a never-ending story. And yeah, it has some danger and some risk in it. I'm up here. It's risky. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a little of that in that. But it's not boring. And I am sure, out of all the parents in the room, that my kids are the only kids in the room that's ever went and said, I'm bored. <laughs> and as a good, good parent, I am very confident in telling them what they can do to not be bored. <laughs> there is a running list. You can do chores like laundry and dishes, and you can clean your room, and you can vacuum, and you can do all of those things. And then they're like, oh, I don't want to do those things. And then I was like, well, you could play with your toys. <laughs> um, and, but our dad's a really good dad, too. And when we're really honest with him and say, Lord, I'm feeling bored. I'm feeling like I'm stuck. Feeling like I don't know what's next or what to do next. He's a good dad too. And he'll give us clues and he'll tell you what to do. And even in the Bible, he tells you what to do. <laughs> uh, John thirteen thirty four, Jesus tells us that a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And then in verse 11 of John, 1 John 3, it says, For this is the message you've heard from the beginning. <laughs> we should love one another. Now, if any of you have ever tried to love anyone, it's not boring. It's hard. <laughs> or it's a journey. Or it's good hard work. Um, so I feel like when Jesus is telling us to love one another, he's really giving his church and his, his kids something to do. Lavish love is always supposed to be duplicated. Yay! <laughs> One of the... Um, sorry. Okay, making sure I'm going the right place. You know, first time out of the gate, you know. <laughs> For us to duplicate something, what do we have to have first? We have to have something. Oh. <laughs> it's that math thing. We're talking about math again. Um, so it says how to love is as he has loved us. All right, we're going to do an exercise here. So I want everyone to pick someone that they love. I want you to think about them. It can be your spouse. It can be a kid. It can be your best friend. I need you to think about them. One person, if you have four kids, let me pick one. One, one, one. All right, does everyone have somebody in their head? Nod, yes. Participation. <laughs> All right, everyone has one person. Okay. Now, thinking about that one person, let's think about what we do for them. Would we feed them if they were hungry? Would we give them a place to sleep? Okay, would we buy them something just because it would make them really happy? Would we have a surgery for someone if it meant they didn't have to have one? If that person had cancer, would you take it away so they wouldn't have to have it? 
And would you go ahead and would you die for that person if it meant that they could live instead of you? Now think a minute still on that person that you love a lot. And that person instead did all those things for you. I think it's way easier to sacrifice for someone that you really love than it is to receive a sacrifice from the one you love. I've been a Christian for 30 years, or 29 years, basically my whole life. And, uh, and I feel like sometimes the words that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us gets lost on the pages. We must first receive the sacrifice that Jesus did for us because out of that place is where we're supposed to love. So next is lavish love starts in family. The next scripture, I don't actually know if I have a scripture. Um, yay. We want to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. Well, brothers and sisters suggest family, right? (laughs) Heidi Baker is famous for saying that love the one in front of you. Well, I say love the one in front of you better than anyone else. Be the best lover. Love the person in your home. The one you share your bed with, the ones you feed, love them in your home better than anyone else. Love them the best. If, if you're not loving the person in your home really well, then how are you loving anyone outside the home really well? Start in that place. Start in your home. And then watch the Lord open your door. <laughs> Um, Matt shows me love by making the bed every morning. It's very simple, but it's something that I'm not going to do if he doesn't do it. (laughs) But I really, really appreciate that he does it. And I show him love. This is debatable. But I think I show him love by sitting on that foot of the couch that's left when he sits down instead of the long part of the couch that's left. I like to put my butt right there. (laughs) That's how I show love. (laughs) I sit on top of him. (laughs) Make it uncomfortable. (laughs) We're not sure if that's really the way I do it, but I feel like I'm showing him love. (laughs) Um, We show our kids love. By really being present. Sometimes we need to put our phones down. It's a harsh reality. <laughs> we need to put them down. And we need to be present with our kids. We need to be, that's where we get to talk to them and get to know them. We go, I go and I'm the goalie for the soccer goal. Even though I know that if I actually do block that soccer goal, I'm going to get physically injured at this point. And it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. Or uh, you play a video game. Matt's really good at this. It's really, I hate it. (laughs) I hate racing. But he does really well because that's what they want to do. And so we're going to engage into our kids in what they want to do. And we're going to meet them where they are. Um, It's it's letting your first grader read books to you. And if you have a first grader or you've had a first grader, you know that takes patience. (laughs) And I don't even like to read that much, so it takes lots of patience for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's just one of those, it's just being present, sitting on the floor, building blocks, making Lego sculptures, playing Barbies. I don't get to do that, but some of you do. <laughs> um, it's, it's really important to love the person you're face-to-face with every day better than anyone else. Love them in your home really, really well. All right, next. Lavish love grows. It's uncontainable. It has to grow. When, when I was growing up, my parents uh, had a really, we had a really stable home. They were really good at it. They were really good at um, loving and just being present with in our family. And so when we had, when I had got friends and my sister had friends, they would always come to our house. I, I did maybe occasionally would go to someone else's house, but they normally came to our house. And someone once said, I was at some conference, they said, have the best juice drinks and the best pop. Always have your fridge stocked. You want your friends' kids to be there. And the Lord's like, people came to your parents' house. Why is that? And it's because they established this culture of love. And so people would come, especially the ones that had the broken homes, and they wouldn't leave. We had two that actually never left, and so we just adopted them. So <laughs> it's just the kind of culture I grew up in. And so about five years ago, we, me and Matt, um, all these people started coming to our house. Mainly young college girls started coming. <laughs> and some of them haven't left. But <laughs> um, and just, our house became this place that people wanted to hang out. They would jump on the trampoline. They would watch me cook. They would just sit on the couch. And some of them would babysit our kids. And get this, they do it for free. They did it for free. Why would they do that? Well, we had no money. But <laughs> they also did that because um, they just wanted to be a part of our family. They just didn't want to leave when they got in our house. Um, thinking back at that particular time five years ago, we really had every excuse in the book to not let them come in. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had four kids. Timothy was only two. Matt worked all the time. He was, we were growing his, uh, the barber shop at the time, growing the business. I don't even know. I don't, I don't think I was working. I might have been. But it just it wasn't necessarily convenient to have the doors open. I kind of gave up on cleaning my house because <laughs> you can't live up to that standard. And college kids don't really care. <laughs> we had no money. We had nothing to offer. But they still came. Um, one of my favorite s- stories out of that time was um, a sweet girl named Ashley. And she was literally dropped off on my doorstep by another college student. And the other college student said, here's Ashley. See you later. And left. I was like, okay. And so, so I, we were actually headed out the door. We had play dates set up with the Clark family. And I said, oh, well, come on with us. We're going to the Clarks. And, uh, and immediately Ashley was thrown into my van. And we headed off down the road to meet more people she didn't know. She didn't know me. I knew nothing about her. I didn't even know her last name. Hey, Ashley. And she was living life with us immediately. And she never, she never left after that. She kept coming around. And I never pried. Ashley definitely carried some emotions on her sleeve at that time, but I never asked. 
I wasn't, I wasn't going to pry and figure out what was going on underneath those layers. I was just going to be her friend. And there's a lot to be said about just being someone's friend. Um, so as Ashley continued to hang out at her house and cook with us, she, she said something off the cuff like, man, I know I'm so hard to love. And I was like, no idea where that came from. And I was like, Ashley, what? And she's I was like, you're easy to love. And she just kind of broke down and she's like, no one's ever told me that before. And what I learned over years of just being her friend is that she had never had a stable home. She had never seen a husband treat their wife the right way. She had never seen a husband treat their kids the right way. She had never seen how a family lavished in love should look like. And today, Ashley's actually a missionary in Jackson, Mississippi. And, em- and she's in charge of the love house, which is amazing. <laughs> she feeds people all the time. And she sees the poorest of the poor. She sees homeless, addicted people every day. And sometimes she gets a platform and she gets to tell her testimony. And um, what's so humbling is part of her testimony is being in our home. And she's like, you know, if people would just open up their home and let people in, her life was forever changed because the door was open. And I don't know if we even opened the door, <laughs> but God opened, God opened the door. Because when we had cultivated this love in our home, God starts opening your door for you. I think sometimes we get it all backwards, and we're trying to open the door to love people, and we haven't really got it going on in our house yet. We really need to love well in our house. And God will open your doors and windows, and he'll just start bringing the people. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's just what he does. You cannot contain lavish love. Um, one other thing is, um, is lately I've been working at Dr. Ray's house or not house. I've been working at your job. It's kind of like your second home. Sorry. (laughs) And, uh, it's about a month and, and in that environment, he does really well at loving in, in the job place, in the workplace. He loves his employees really well. I feel like he honors us. He pays us fair. And then he also loves every single person that walks in the door. Every patient that comes in, he loves really well. And if you've ever been in there, you'll, you, you would know that. Um, and my first week there, I was getting nervous. I mean, so much information, entering all the data stuff. And I go, I go, oh, I told one of the girls, I go, I hope I don't mess up. And she looked right at me, and she goes, everything's fixable. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I've, I've worked at a lot of jobs, and no one's ever told me that. <laughs> Bank tellers really frown if there's not the right number of money. <laughs> so it was the worst job ever. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was just 18. It was rough. Uh, anyways, that idea of everything is fixable, like, lifted this weight that I was carrying on my shoulder. Just that, that everything is fixable. And I think that... Wherever we're at in our journey right now, wherever the lavish love has hit us, whether we're just getting a taste, we feel like we've drifted a certain way, or we've not really set our identity really well in that place, or maybe we're not loving really well at our home, 
I feel like the, the Lord just wants you to know there's hope. There's really hope. Everything's fixable with Jesus. He didn't close any of the doors to love. That love door is always open. And there's really grace available. Um, We're going to have ministry team come up. And I feel like there's just a couple of things the Lord wants to do um, before we leave. (laughs) And as they're coming, uh, what I'm realizing as I stand up here is that I think sometimes we get it all backwards when we look at people up on stage. We think, oh, they're the famous person or they're they're the whatever. Um, And the Lord's showing me that to be up here is really the lower place. That's not easy. (laughs) Um, But it's it's the low place to be. And And when we're really sharing, it's way more natural and way more fun and easy to love at your house. And the Lord says, hey, that's what I'm calling you to. I'm going to make it easy on you. I'm not going to make everyone come up here and talk or say something. I just want you to love the person that you're face-to-face with. Love them. Don't overcomplicate life. Just love them. Okay, so if you don't mind, stand up. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to pray. (laughs) Lord... We just receive your lavish love. We remember, Lord, that you died on the cross for us. And we receive that again. We receive that love. And from receiving that love, that's where we choose to love. That's where we choose to love. And there's really grace that no matter where we're on at in our journey and our love story with you, Lord, that it's fixable. Yeah, so we bless you, church. I bless you. Thanks for listening. And I just pray blessings on your week. And if you need ministry or you want these lovely people to pray for you, they will. Amen. High five and hug. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.